This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. So finish this statement. I know that I have never been unloved. Wow. Imagine how different our world would be if everybody could just get that one message. That's pretty powerful stuff. I want to say good morning to you. My name is Ron, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here at New Life. For those of you who are brand new to New Life this morning, welcome. You're our guests, and we want you to feel at home. We certainly want you uh, to take this opportunity to connect with God and to connect with the church, if that's at all possible for you this morning. And uh, we're delighted that you're here. I'm not going to say anything that will leave you behind. You don't have to have any prior Bible knowledge to understand what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. But on the other hand, if you've been a Christian for decades, uh, there are things God's going to teach us this morning that will challenge each one of us. And uh, so welcome to the journey. Welcome to the trip. We're starting a brand new sermon series this morning. And for those of you who are here all of the time, you've been searching through your program looking for fill-in-the-blank notes, haven't you? No blanks this morning, all right? So, And that's by design. Uh, We're going to have a great time together this morning. So uh, that doesn't mean that you just sort of click off the brain and go, no blanks, no brain, right? No, that's not the deal. Um, But I want you to hear some things, and I want you to listen to some things this morning that will be challenging and inspirational and probably cut down to the core of where each one of us is. The brand new sermon series we're starting this morning is called Simply Promise. You see, people who study human behavior have been able to identify for many, many centuries that there are some very basic needs that everyone with a human spirit has. In fact, If you boil them down sort of to what are the basic ones, most would agree that we have five basic needs. So take a look at the video screens, and and we're going to delineate those five basic needs for us. First of all, we, we have this need to have a sense of worth. I'm not talking about your portfolio or, or what your investment banker would call your personal worth. I'm talking about your internal worth, a sense that I'm that I have value as a person. Not just as a wife or a husband or an employee, but me. I have value, a sense of worth. And when we're missing it, we feel inferior. And we probably have all struggled at some point in our life. Maybe many of us here today probably struggle today with an inferiority complex. We struggle with low self-esteem. Because when we're missing that wonderful sense of worth, that's where we go to. The second need is a sense of belonging. If you read anything about gangs, you realize that the principal reason anyone belongs to a gang is because they want to belong. And that's a group of people that will take you. No matter who you are, what you've done, they'll take you. They'll have your back no matter what you do. But the price you pay is unbelievable. That deep sense of belonging. And when we're missing that, we struggle with insecurity. The third need is, a, is the sense of purpose. That there's a reason for my life. And there's a reason why I'm here. And there's something I'm supposed to be accomplishing 
while I'm living and moving and breathing. Because there has to be more to this life than just, oh my goodness, I showed up on the scene, I played, and I died. That sense of purpose is huge. When we're missing that, we struggle with insignificance. We feel like, I don't really make any difference. The fourth is a sense of competence. Not only am I worth something, and not only do I have a purpose, but I can actually accomplish it with some skill and some competence. And when I'm missing it, I feel inadequate. And last of all, a sense of destiny. That not only am I here, but I'm actually going somewhere. And and that there's more to this life than just what I see with my eyes. That there's a destiny that lies beyond death. What does that look like? And when I'm missing that, I feel hopeless. That's no, it's no surprise that God has addressed all five of those in His Word. And over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at each one of those separately, and we're going to be looking at three promises that deal with each one of those. And there are many that deal with each one of those in Scripture. I just couldn't keep you here all day long for the next five weeks in a row. So we're going to, we're going to select three that speak to various issues of each of those core needs. This morning, we're going to talk about this sense of worth. The sense that I have intrinsic value in myself apart from anything that I might do or where I was born, I have worth and value. And so here is promise number one that God makes to us in this context. God says, I have chosen you as my own people. Wow. Of of all the people that God could have created, made, chosen, selected, whatever, God says, I have chosen you as my people. He says, we know, this is Paul writing, we know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be His own people. Now, in the video we just saw, it says, I've been a lot of things. And you probably noticed that most of the things that it, that it listed for us were not all that positive, right? I've been unapproachable. I've been unacceptable. I, I've been all these unthings that weren't very good. And yet the one thing I've never been is I've never been unloved. Why? Because God has chosen to love me. Not out of pity. But God chose to love me something far greater than that. He goes on to say, for when we brought you the good news, and I'm going to lay that out for you in section number two, it was not only with words, but also with power. How do you know that God loves you? Because when, the, when you open up the Bible and read it, or when you come to church and the pastor preaches, when God begins to move down in your heart and He begins to stir in your soul and in your spirit and He begins to bring to the surface truths about life that, that have the potential to change your life, then what you're receiving is a confirmation from God that He loves you for when the good news of Jesus is preached to you, it comes with power. goes on to say, For the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit living in you, gave you full assurance that what we said was true. 
And then he goes on to say, so you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. You know, in a church, there should be no sense of inferiority because as a pastor friend of mine one time said, you know, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. Everybody's worth the same. You could be the President of the United States. Your name could be Barack Obama. You could be somebody who has come to church for the very first time this morning. To God, the ground is level. What you are worth to Him and what President Obama is worth to Him, exactly the same. Both of you were created to be His children. He has chosen to love both of you. He has chosen to love both of you equally. You could have been born and grown up in a pastor's home and never ever walked away from the church in your life. You could have been in church virtually every Sunday of your life from birth until present. You could be leading a ministry. You could be doing all these things that are really good, really great, and really wonderful. Or on the other hand, you may have stumbled in here this morning having lived a a, a life that you're ashamed of. It doesn't make any difference. Because the message of of the Bible, the message that God gives, is the same to both. I have chosen you as my own people. Which is why, though you may have felt unloved in your life, the truth is, you've never been unloved. God knew every one of us would be here this morning. And He had this message waiting for us. Now how is it that we can be His family? How is it that we could be His people? Well, it's because He saved us. And that's the fundamental message in all of Christianity. Is that God has chosen us to be His family. And in order for us to be His family and live with Him and and be given eternal life, that he had to do some cleanup work, right? From the mess we had made of our lives. It's called salvation. It's called having our sins forgiven. And that's what Jesus came to do. And that is the core message in all of Christianity. Anybody, anywhere, at any time can turn to God for salvation and God will save. Now, he won't be manipulated. He lays it out. If you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved on God's terms, not yours. He's, after all, he's the one doing the saving. But what he has laid out, anybody can do. And everybody should do. And so the first thing, the first promise that we're going to claim in our life is that we are the people of God. I want you to say this out loud with me, if you would, please. God has chosen me to be his child. Would you say that with me? Ready? Let's say it. God has chosen me to be His child. Let's say it one more time. God has chosen me to be His child. Now, if that's going to happen, it's going to happen because I respond to His offer of salvation. I want you to stand with me because the worship band is going to take us into a section of worship. And I want us to really worship. Not just sing a few songs. Yeah, you can stand right now. Not just sing a few songs, not just sort of hum some lyrics, but I want us to really sing and I want us to really worship. And we sang a song prior to this called Hosanna. 
We're going to sing another song called Hosanna. Different song, all right? Same message, however. You probably figured that out already. And yet you say, Pastor, what does Hosanna mean? Well, the Jews had this word Hosanna, and it meant two things at the same time. It's a little bit like the Hawaiian word aloha. It means hello and goodbye both, right? It depends upon where you say it, when you say it. The Jewish word Hosanna, when you were in distress, it was a cry of help that said, God, save me. And when life was going good, it simply meant God saves. And because He saves, we can be His children. So let's sing to Him wonderful song of praise that He has chosen us to be His kids. Hosanna. Hosanna. The human hands on that video are pretty easy to relate to, aren't they? Every single person sitting here, if we were honest, could relate to more than one of them. I know we could. It's the last hand that changes everything. And that's God's second promise to us. Take a look. God says, I have bought you at a very high price. Let's read that out loud together. Ready? I have bought you at a very high price. The Bible says God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. In our case, we might not think so much about the ancestors, but about the world, the culture in which we were born and lived. He goes on, and the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. I want us to take just a minute and let that truth settle in. So I'm not going to say anything for the next few seconds, but I want you to think about that. God paid a ransom for you, and it was high. It was the blood of the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Close our eyes. Just let God talk to us. You are my children, and that means you're worth everything to me. Though you've been shanghaied by Satan, I bought you back at a very high price. I paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from the world. And the ransom I paid wasn't measured out in dollars or even gold or silver. I paid it in blood, my own son's blood. He voluntarily became a human so he could give his sinless life as a sacrifice to buy you back. I paid a ransom for you. You are now mine twice, 
once because I created you, and now once again through this priceless ransom. I traded Jesus' life for you. And I've never regretted it for a minute. You are my children. You are worth everything to me. As the ushers distribute trays of communion throughout the audience this morning, I want to encourage you not only to take a piece of the bread and one of the portions of juice, hold them in your hand, pass the tray to your neighbor, but I want you to do so in a context. And the context is this, that you you and I would in our minds and in our hearts, because someday we're going to get to do this, that we would dare to venture up to Jesus himself who meets us here this morning, and we would dare to bow before him in worship. We just sang of his praise, and we stood with our arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all for us so that we would walk up to Christ and bow before him. And he would do what he will always do. He will reach out to us. And as he reaches out to us, what is it we see? It's not just a hand, it's what? The hand of Christ. And what's in the middle? A scar. We know that because he showed it to his apostles after he was raised. And he said to Thomas, look, touch it. I want to encourage us to be so bold in our worship of Jesus this morning that we would not only reach out and take the hand, that nail-scarred hand, but that we would bring it to ourselves and we would kiss the scar that bought our forgiveness. So when you eat the bread and you drink the cup and your heart I want you to kiss the scars. I'm going to do that as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, in this moment, when we have been reminded of the difference between our hands and yours, ours have wandered and done so many things they shouldn't do, yours never did. But yours were stretched out on a cross because you chose to allow them to be were pierced because you chose to allow them to be. For it is by your wounds we are healed. It's by your wounds we are forgiven. So Lord, right now we take your hand. We press it to our lips.
that was battered and scarred. And the auctioneer thought it hardly worth his while to waste his time on the old violin. But he held it up with a smile. What am I bid, good people, he cried. Who'll start the bidding for me? One dollar? One dollar, do I hear two? Two dollars, who will make it three? But no, from the room far back, a gray-bearded man came forward and picked up the bow. And wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as an angel sings. Music ceased. The auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What now am I bid for this old violin? as he held it aloft with its bow. One thousand, one thousand, do I hear two? Two thousand, who will make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. The audience cheered, but some of them cried, we just don't understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with a life out of tune, all battered with bourbon and gin, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like that old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going and almost gone. The master comes, the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is brought by the touch of the master's hand. In some form or other, that message is given every Sunday in every church in every country. You hear it here often. Christianity is not about self-help. You can get that at your local bookstore. What makes Christianity work is the God who created us, the God who says, I have chosen you as my own people, the God who says, I have bought you at a very high price. He says, I come to live in you. And when I touch your life, boy, it changes everything. As in every church service, we have some business to do. That business could be stated very simply. There are some of us in this audience who have not yet chosen to allow the Master to touch us. We come to church, we get a little bit stirred here and then, now and then, but we've never taken our life like an old violin and placed it in the Master's hands and said, here, play your tune on me. Tighten my strings however you will. Do with that bow whatever you will. But this life is now yours. So I was praying about this church service. I realized that God brought some of us here this morning knowing this would be our best opportunity ever to make that choice. We, we might not even have realized it. 
we may have just come to church because, well, we're going to check out church or, or who knows why we ended up here. Look, I knew we were going to be here. And in some of our lives, God may have been working for years for this, this very moment right now. But now it's not in his hands. It's in ours. He's given us the promise. Now it's ours to accept. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you choose to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior, and you choose to take your life, put it in his hands, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer, but not just by yourself. If you've ever made that choice, I'm going to ask you to recommit yourself to that choice by praying this prayer out loud, and I've written it out. It's, it's a relatively simple prayer. So you can just repeat it after me. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Jesus, I accept your sacrifice on my behalf. Because of your death, I am forgiven. You bought me at a high price. I am yours and yours alone. You are my one and only Savior. I'm trusting you completely with my life. Thank you for accepting me into your family. I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want you to know that God has already begun to come into your heart. If you prayed that prayer years ago, I know your heart was warmed by praying that prayer again. And... Um, so what I want you to do now, if that was the first time you prayed the prayer, or for any other reason, Justin talked to you about this, this card that says, Start Here, okay? Would you look on the back side, if you would, please? On the back side, there's a place for your name. Um, I would like to encourage everyone to fill that out. It's an opportunity for you to fill out a prayer request. But more importantly, for those of you who prayed that prayer for the first time and decided to give your life to Christ, you can see sort of a third of the way down, there's a place that says, I would like to. And underneath that is a little circle bullet with the words after it, come into a relationship with God. I want you to check that little circle bullet point. Because that will do a couple of things. Number one, puts in written form the commitment you just made to God. Number two, it gives us the opportunity to come alongside you so you don't have to take that journey all by yourself and try to figure it out. Um, we will get in touch with you this week and help you along on that journey so that you can be successful in that and it won't just be something that you were touched by during a Sunday morning service at church. The ushers are going to be distributing baskets through the audience. You can put in your communication card. We'll be putting ours in. 
to put your offering in. If you brought an offering this morning, those of you who come uh, regularly, uh, I know you brought offerings this morning. And uh, this morning, I'm going to pray, actually, while we're passing the baskets. And you go, how am I going to do that? I have my eyes closed. I won't know when the basket comes. Okay? I think God can handle it if your neighbor kind of nudges you and gives you the basket, all right? He can even handle it if you open your eyes and peek once in a while, okay? But the reason I'm going to pray while we're receiving the offering this morning is because I want it to be a wonderful response of worship to God. Not just sort of church business. I want it to be our worship. So ushers, if you would come and just start passing the baskets now. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for receiving us into your family. Thank you, you've given us the opportunity to respond to your promises. Thank you for the gifts that you've given to us. Thank you now in this moment we have the opportunity to give back to you. Thank you, Lord, for those of us who prayed that prayer for the very first time. Thank you, Lord, for those of us who prayed that prayer years ago. And our lives have been forever changed, not just by that moment, but in all the moments since that one. A wonderful and growing, progressive, healthy, vibrant change has been coming into our lives. Lord, we bless you for that. We thank you for that. Would you receive our gifts now to you? Or we offer them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a great and interesting morning in which we've been reminded of two great promises that God has given us. The first, I have chosen you as my own people. The second is, I've bought you at a very high price. Are you ready for number three? Here it is. Number three is, I will partner with you for victory. We just prayed about that. We just partnered up with God for victory. God never partners with His people so that they'll just do okay. He partners with us so that we can experience victory. I want to read you a passage. Paul writes and says, If God is for us, who can ever be against us? That's a rhetorical question, right? Because the answer is obvious. It doesn't make any difference who's against us. He goes on to say, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? The answer to that is nothing. Then he goes on, to address a concern that many of us would have. Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? You know, the amazing thing is, we sit in this audience this morning, and how many of those things do most of us struggle with today? We may have some trouble. We may have some calamity. Not too many of us are persecuted, probably none of us. Not to, from the looks of us, most of us don't suffer from hunger either. Okay? No one is here wearing the only set of clothes he or she has. We're not destitute. 
We're not really in danger. No one here is in fear of any sort of recrimination for coming to church this morning. And most of us here are not threatened by death, although some are. And what does Paul say to all of that? No, despite all these things, read the next phrase out loud with me. Ready? Overwhelming victory is ours through... Let's read that again. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Wow. That's His promise. Who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. That means power stronger than you and me, right? Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Now that's something we struggle with, right? Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that good news? That's awesome news. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.